Hey, Jay. What? What does corn say when it's frustrated? I don't know what. Aw, shucks. <laughs> Welcome to episode 208 of the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. My name is Stephen Dutzman and I am your host as always. And I am joined on Board Game Week by two of my favorite people on Earth. Uh, first, Amanda Farrow, the Princess of Power. How are you? I'm really good. It has been great night. so long since I've seen you. Yeah, it's been like two Seven, days. Yeah, two days. And <laughs> we'll tell more stories about that briefly, but I would be remiss if I did not also introduce... Uh, our other guest this week, not guest, co-host this week, Linda Robel, the managing editor of Board Games for EngageFamilyGaming.com. How are you, Linda? I'm doing great. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. Um, and uh, you're going to be on the show a lot more frequently because I'm going to make you. Okay. Sorry. Um, it's <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I figured, I didn't think I was going to get a huge amount of resistance. So fun fact, Amanda, and everybody listening, Linda and I will be attending New York Toy Fair this year as we just recently received our press credentials. Um, it got more complicated this year, I guess, because it took longer, but whatever. Maybe they just had, maybe they actually had people looking for the first time in a while. Who knows? Um, maybe they wanted to check out who that Steve Dutzman guy was and make sure that I wasn't going to cause trouble. Um, which, of course, I am, but Linda will be there to prevent that from getting too bad. Um, a little bit. So definitely keep your eyes on our various social channels as Toy Fair gets closer, where we can talk about the things that we can talk about. Um, but, man, we're going to see some cool stuff. Um, so, fun story, Linda. I went to New Jersey this weekend. How was your uh, visit? It was, your um, trip, your trip? So my trip was great. Um, at least from my perspective, I met Amanda's family. Um, I met Vivian for the first time, and she told me what to do a bunch. Um, she made it. So very you felt right at home. I felt right at home being told what to do <laughs> by a by a blonde seven year old. I just did what I was told, um, and there were some yeah, there were some dudes that made some like that just made jokes at me and like you know spoke to me in internet. Yes, they're very good at that. And and so I, fortunately, I too speak internet. I felt like a junkie on from Transformers, the movie. Like, I, you know, like I knew what they were doing, you know. Um, that was a, if you know what, if you, if you know, you know. Wow. Um, that's a deep, <laughs> deep cut. Uh, deep, that, deep, 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 deep cut. That's but, you a know. lot. But, but I um, appreciate that. So, um, and the good news was, outside of the fact that Amanda and I had a very productive meeting about all sorts of cool stuff happening for EngageFamilyGaming.com, uh, most notably that she's going to be helping with the site. Um, but um, I also got to play a whole bunch of board games with her family. And so I thought we would talk about some of those because I think between the three of us, that was the bulk of the board game time. Um, so, Amanda. Yo. I've just yammered for like five minutes straight. Why don't you tell us about number nine? Because we played number nine. Number nine was a weird game and it was really hard like it's deceptively challenging. So, okay, so 
to lay the foundation, Paint a picture. Vivian, Vivian decided that she wanted to play all the games with us at the same time, but we reminded her that she is, in fact, only one person, and she can't bend time, and we were going to have dinner. So we're like, okay, you got to pick one. You pick one game, and we'll play some more games later. And she's like, okay, I want to play number nine. And we've had this game forever. I know the kids have played it, but I haven't played it with them because I'm usually like Swiss cheese at the end of the day where nothing really goes in my head ever. Uh, so number nine is you are pulling, you, you're building like a tower. You're building a tower of numbers and they are really strange cardboard numbers where you have to lay them out so that there is a decent foundation of these number shapes that are actually shaped like the actual numbers. So if somebody pulls out a card that says, hey, everybody needs to pick up a nine, you know, everybody picks up a nine. There are two of these numbers um, available to be, to be pulled through the deck. So you have to be really careful because you don't score anything for the bottom layer at all. You get zero points. And the higher up you go, the more it multiplies your score. So if you have if you have four levels, the stuff on the fourth level is that number. So whatever that number is. So if it's a nine, if you get a nine on the top row, it's nine times four, man. That is wow. a lot of points. Yo, you can get some game changing points. It's you can get some wild combinations like that. So the trick is though when you're laying out these foundations on whatever level you're on, you can't have any gaps. So if you have any gaps and you try to put another number over top of a gap, you can't do that. Like, it just doesn't work. You can't score. Um, so it gets really difficult really fast, especially if you're not familiar with the shape. So I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, scratching my head a lot and racking my brain. My, my spatial skills are great, but I just was not, I was not having any of it with this number nine game. Um, my daughter did amazing, and my husband did amazing because they play this game often enough where they're like, "We know what the shapes look like, haha, <laughs> mom." I'm like, "Oh, yeah, it didn't help. It did not help." No, that, um, that because you get each shape twice. Yeah, and there were a couple of the shapes that we didn't get even the first one until the end. So yeah. it's like, uh, um, very cool. A lot. It's real. It cool. was fun though. It was really fun. So this is one that it gets better when you play it more so you get yeah. to know it yeah like exactly don't judge it by the first play don't um, judge it by the first play it's it's really cute on the first play and it's challenging and it's brain melting a little but you know if you're if your seven-year-old is like haha i schooled you on this i mean you gotta pick the torch back up and keep going she it's true she definitely talks some like trash. She, schooled she talks a serious um, amount of she trash. Definitely and that trash. is her bonus dad her bonus dad's fault that she's a trash talker. Hundred percent. Um. With that said, um, <laughs> I talk trash right back, so I'm not afraid to talk trash to a seven year old. I ain't even. I ain't that's even fair. Mad. It's also Vivian, so yeah, she it's fine. Takes, she gives as good as she gets. Exactly. With regards to trash talk, she's an adult. Um. Okay. So I my thing with number nine, and this is my recommendation for anyone. Um. The game right now is a little hard to get, but if you can get a copy, grab it because it is super cool. I think you need to play a game and then immediately turn around and play it again. Yeah. Um. Like learn it, play it once. It's quick, 
but you need to just immediately put the stuff back, reshuffle the cards, and just go again immediately. Maybe even do that a few times, because this is one of those games that really benefits from playing it multiple times in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, it's intended to be a filler game. It's intended to be like a light thing that you can play while you're talking about other stuff. Like this is not a, it's a thinky game, but it is not a complex thinky game. And everyone is playing simultaneously, which is also cool if you have people that really don't like taking turns. Um, so, or, (laughs) or more appropriately, if they don't like waiting for other people to take turns, um, I'm looking back at the general who is not here, but I'm like gazing at her in the distance because um, she doesn't like waiting for people to take turns. And so That's this okay. Is... The general and I are completely 100% aligned on that. Neither yep. do I. Yep, pretty much. Um, so, so that was number nine. Um, I'm just going to get one quickly out of the way. There's a game that we mostly, we played some of. Um, okay. So we did not finish the game because we started too late and it was the setup was a bit intense. But we played a game that was on Kickstarter called Nick, Kickstarter Kickstarter called Nickelodeon Splat Attack. Now I want to oh. so uh, listen. I want very much to love this game. Oh man! Why would yeah. happen? Nothing. Just Linda's reaction was just so good. It was so. It was so perfect. It was the most Linda reaction. So I, I missed it. I, I missed that. I was a little self-absorbed. What, um, for, as usual, Linda. What was your reaction? Were you? It was like shock and awe. Okay, fair enough. So, um, Nickelodeon Splat Attack. I desperately wanted to love this game. I desperately yeah. wanted to love it because it is definitely. Like, 90s Nickelodeon, with the exception yeah. of Ren and Stimpy, because I, I think that's the worst, um, is, like, my jam. Ren and Stimpy is terrible, and I'll fight anyone. I, I will fight you. Bring it. We can we can fight about this in real life later. What do, I mean, listen, we don't have knives on our feet, so fighting is not really a thing. Because I know <laughs> you can fight in hockey, but, like, outside of that, you're too nice, because you're from Canada. Listen. Listen. Um, so, um, fighting will consist of... Her just apologizing after every time she slaps me. Um, so, um, anyway, maybe she'll hit me in the head with a maple syrup jo- bottle. Um, was that inappropriate? It was fine. It's fine. You love me. So, um, Nickelodeon Splat Attack is a dudes on a map game where you play teams of Nickelodeon characters in a food fight in a school cafeteria. Um, the cool part is what you're doing is you're moving your dudes around on a map and occasionally you are throwing food at your opponents that are based on cards that are in your hand. And if you hit your opponent, you actually take food chunks out of these bags and all the characters have like a character board that is a grid and your goal is to cover up their whole thing, which is basically covering them all up with food. And if you fill someone's grid up, then they're, then they are, um, more or less eliminated. The teams consist of things like the Rugrats and Ren and Stimpy and Invader Zim. Invader Zim and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Because fun fact, at one point Nickelodeon owned the rights to them. Actually, I think they still do. Pretty sure they still do. They still do. Um, and so <laughs> there's like a Reptar expansion. This is it is cool. I, oh, they had the odd real monsters in it, although none of us played as them. Um, this is one of those things, if you are nostalgic for the 90s and really, really, really obsessively love dudes on a map, 
then then yeah, this is probably worth looking at. Um, the downside is that the rulebook is arguably the worst rulebook that I have ever seen, and I have parsed through rulebooks that were written in another language. Yeah, um, it, was it was really tough. bad. Um, so, yeah. So, um, but the miniatures, the miniatures were awesome. Um, I really wanted to love this game, um, and we're pro- I'm probably at some point I will give it another shot, either with Amanda and their fam or with uh, Rob Kalajian of Pawn's Perspective, because I believe he has it. I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah, it's cool. I mean, it, it it was worth going through the process of getting it unboxed and punched and set up just to kind of experience that 90s-era Nickelodeon nostalgia. Um, but I was kind of glad that we didn't leave it set up to play the next morning. <laughs> um but Vivian had spoken. But Vivian had spoken. <laughs> but here's the deal. She had spoken and said we were going to play Root from Leader Games. And Linda, let me tell you, Root is really, really good. Ooh. Amanda, can you give us the elevator pitch on Root? Uh, well, I played Root like twice. I don't play it nearly as much as Vivian does or my husband because they're obsessed. The new expansions just came in and oh my goodness it's a lot my eldest son was like yammering about all of these tactics and everything like that so anyway so the premise of the game the premise of the game is that you're playing as a bunch of woodland creatures and you're trying to feat to defeat the fascist cats i yep. think cats are the, the bad fasc- guys cats are the bad guys they're the fascists so they're trying to like keep everybody in in the forest down and they're just like, ah, we hate all you other animals and woodland creatures. So they're just like, well, revolution, I guess. <laughs> because of course. Because of course. And it's it's uh it's a leader games game, so it's asymmetrical, which means that that everybody plays as somebody different. Um, it's reminiscent of Vast in in that all of the characters play wildly different. Mm-hmm. All of them. And you constantly have to be paying attention to what the other players are doing, which means that even if you're not good at waiting for other people to take their turns, it's really interesting to watch the metagame play out between the turns. Yeah. And that's what keeps it really engaging. So that's the elevator pitch for Root. Yeah. Uh, overthrow the bad kitties and... Revolt. Or be the bad kitties. Or be and the win, bad kitties. Which is what I did. Oh, absolutely, I did. You can play as the fascists. And it's fine. It's fine. Um, well, so everybody's got their role. It's everybody's fine. got to have a job when you're playing the game. It doesn't. It doesn't hurt that the cats actually are the least complex. They just have a very specific job. So yeah. And and basically the way uh, her husband explained it is everyone's playing a different game, but we're all playing the same yes. game. And that's yeah. the leader games. Okay. That's their brand. That's their thing. As a hundred percent their brand. So the the cats, for example, are an engine building game. Um, which, for the record, we all know I love engine building games. Um, so I played the engine building game. Um, and the oh birds are, um, it's about essentially programmed movement and programming, you know. And then there's a vagabond who is more or less just playing an adventure game. Like you're basically like playing a single player, like RPG type thing. Um, and then there's the revolution that is, you know, doing other stuff. And now there's even more expansions with what, like there's four or five more races. Um, and it's just going to keep going. They, they, uh, by the way, uh, there is a tabletop role-playing game set in the root universe that is coming out later on this year. Um, so it is, so why not? Yeah, I know exactly. Well, I mean, that's my only concern is that like, 
you know, we already got Humblewood. Like, but it it's apparently a different set of rules, so we'll look into it. Um, but man, Root is really good. It is very pretty. Um, it is uh, a little tough to come by the base game right now. Um, but that is going to change because I know they are printing more of them because people love this game. Um, and they should. Root is one of the best games I've played in quite a while. I really liked it, and I'm very glad that her daughter decided that I was playing and um, made me late getting home because she wanted to make sure that I played. Um, the general might have preferred that I got home a little earlier than that, than I did, but when I told her that a seven-year-old told me that I was supposed to play a board game, she was like, all right, fair. <laughs> fair. Um, so... The last game that that we that I wanted to talk about and is just one, which is a game that came out of nowhere and won the Sphere de Jar. Yeah, and wild. um, it's and I was questioning it. I was like, "What do you mean this game that came out of nowhere?" Nope, it was good. <clears throat> it was the the correct decision. Just one is a cooperative word game where um, every player draws a card. You know, you, on your turn, you draw a card that you can't see. You pick a number, and between one and five, I think, maybe one and six, not sure, but it'll have a word. And let's say it's like campfire. Um, everybody else has um, these cool dry erase placards, which, by the way, I hope they sell those dry erase placards um, separately because I want to use them for Dungeons & Dragons um, to put character names on them so everybody knows who their characters are um and the idea is everybody takes turn doesn't take their turn simultaneously all the other players write down a word that is a clue to help them guess help their uh, help the uh, person who guess the number like guess their word so if the code word was campfire we all have to come up with words that are similar enough to it but can't be just another word for campfire or like in the same family so we gotta get close exactly. we do like marshmallows or fire pit or something. Maybe not fire pit. I don't know. You get the idea. But here's the real limiting factor. If two people guess the same word, they you can't put in those clues. So you have to give a suggestion that isn't um, obvious. Because if you pick the obvious one, then you, you lose two clues. And um, it is super cool. Like we went around the table, you know, a handful of times. Everybody got a couple of turns. It played well in mixed ages because yes, it did. Everybody's choosing word. I mean, and the reason for that is you are. It's cooperative, number one. So you're not trying to, you know, mess with people, and so you know who is guessing. So you know the yep. words that they would know, and you would know the words that they would not know, um, and you maybe understand references that they might you know, the other people might not. And so being able to, you know, kind of simplify language when it's a younger kid up versus, you know, when Amanda was guessing, like we knew because she has an extensive vocabulary, we could go a little crazier to point her in the right direction um, because we knew she would understand the words. Whereas when it was Vivian, you know, we all kind of brought it down a little bit because we were playing with a seven-year-old and she got her word. Right? She did. She did. Um, with, wow. And I, I can't say it was without clues because obviously we gave her clues, but she was able to figure it out and it was great. And um, it wasn't like on an easy setting. It's not like these words are more or less difficult depending on what number you choose and she can only pick one or two or anything. Um, I think this is a really cool game. It's an awesome party game. Um, 
it's worth it for the dry erase placards for Dungeons and Dragons players in and of itself, all by itself. But the game also very cool. So yeah, Linda. So that is, those are some games. Those sound amazing. I'm very jealous of all the playing you got to do and the meeting and it sounds like you had a great weekend. It absolutely was. everybody this is steve i'm the host if you like listening to this podcast you probably like some of our other content too you can find that all over social media so make sure to head over to facebook.com slash engaged family gaming perhaps you might like to see some stuff on twitter by going to twitter.com slash e-f-g-a-m-i-n-g or maybe you just want to head on over to instagram and look for engaged family gaming there see you later guys bye now Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 208 of the Engage Family Gaming Podcast. My name is still Steven. I'm still here with Amanda, and I'm still here with Linda. We're still talking about board games, but through the magic of the internet, I have a special guest. That is Anna Maria Jackson Phelps from GirlsGameshelf.com. Anna Maria, how are you? I'm great. Happy to be here. I am so stoked that you're here. You and I have interacted sideways on Facebook groups for like what, like a year and a half now? Probably. And I invited someone else on my show and gave them my email address and you took a shot and were like, hey, um, how about you put me on your show first? And I was like, yeah. Um, you didn't actually phrase it that way, but that person never actually contacted me. So um, what are you going to do? So you're here. We're talking about board games, and you have a board game website that you help run. You do live streams. You publish games. You do all sorts of stuff. I do. I'm, I've got a finger in every pie in the industry at this point, so, and it's a lot of fun. Best job ever. I, I <laughs> can only imagine. So how long have you been running Girls Game Shelf? So um, I just joined the Girls Game Shelf oh. crew about a year ago, actually, oh. um, as the editor-in-chief. So Kiki's been doing video for about three years now. Um, and she'd invited me to be on the blog about a year and a half ago. And then about six months after that, I took my shot and I said, hey, why don't we just make this um, alliance a full-time gig? And we're up to, we now have five writers on staff. We put out three to four articles a week. Um, it's gotten pretty big. Awesome. And yeah. certainly your guidance has helped, I'm sure. Let's just blame it all on you. Why not? Um, so... That's that's awesome. I, I know Linda and Amanda, I gave them, th to give them some chance to prepare, I gave both of them the link so as that, yeah, so that they would have a little bit of an opportunity to, you know, because I cheated. I knew that you were coming on weeks ago. Um, so, you're, and you're starting live streaming tonight. Is that a new, is it, are you starting streaming or are you just changing nights? Um, so, I've been live streaming to um, both our Facebook and our Facebook group for probably four or five months now. Okay. But we've actually started a Twitch stream, which officially starts tomorrow night, and we will be live streaming Oath. Um, we'll be the first people to get to stream that. So, I'm pretty excited about it. Oh, That's wow. Amazing. Yeah. That is super cool. That game looks amazing. <laughs> Linda, have right? you seen Oath? No, I have not seen Oath yet. It's from the Leader Games, guys. So, it's probably going to be good 
It's probably, probably going to be backing it. The math, yeah, Amanda's definitely, yeah. She's she looks to her left and knows and knows someone's waiting. So that's awesome. So you've been streaming. How has that been going? Good. Fantastic. Um, I kind of fell into it doing a couple of little things when we were out and about at conventions, and um, and this was before I'd even filmed for any of the bits for anything else for girls game shop so my first experience on camera was live for the channel and um now i i really just like the spontaneity of it and particularly our tuesday night streams are a lot of fun because it's really just me and a camera and whatever game i happen to pick off the shelf and just chatting with people for 30 minutes so can't beat that you cannot wait to throw yourself right into the fire right (laughs) like you know let's start filming with live on the internet stuff. Um, I can only imagine, uh, although I do that a lot too. So I, yeah, I get it. It, it, it has its moments. Um, so Amanda, I know you said that you had some, that you were going to take a look at the site. Did you have some questions for our guest? I didn't want to I mean, talk all over you. You mean, did I, did I actually do my job as a professional, actual journalist? That, that's not exactly how I wanted to phrase it. But that's kind of what you meant though, right? Well, I was, I was bit, trying like to, a little bit. I was trying to, it's okay. We hassle bust, each other. I'm just, I'm just busting your butt, dude. It's all good. Uh, yeah, actually, I was I was familiar with Girls Game Shelf um, prior to Steve telling me that you were going to be coming on our show. But I actually want to hear more about your mission, about the ethos behind Girls Game Shelf, because I think that the con I think the content is great. And I think that there is I know, especially, you know, I've, I've been on your Twitter and I know you're very much so you know, a proponent of diversity and inclusion. So I want to know, like, how Girls Game Shell fits into that for you. Um, in particular, the, the the way we really come at this is normalizing seeing different faces at the table. Um, I think it's important when you go into a game space, whether it be a convention or your friendly local game store, it gives people a certain amount of comfort to go in and see people who look like them. Mm-hmm. Um and it normalizes it for folks that don't look that way, right? So if yeah. if if, um, if average Joe gamer goes into a game space and there are more women there, it just becomes normal for there to be women in the in the game space. And really, that goes for anyone, whether or not it's you know more people of color at the table or more lesbian and gay re- um, and bisexual representation at the table or accessibility issues. You know, it's just we want to simply make it make our tables look like our communities look like um and we we are trying to do that the best we can by just making it not unusual to see women and women of color in in game spaces i love that and i think that the tabletop industry especially is has always been a lot more inclusive than say you know, digital gaming and considering I come from both backgrounds, it's really, it's, it's been such a, such a wholesome way to see more women and more people of color being included more and more all the time and finding, not just finding spaces, but carving out spaces boldly, (laughs) um, which I adore. It's, it's so wonderful. One of the things that I love about Girls Game Shelf is the designing women column that I know that you are spearheading. So I want to know, like, where that came from and what some of your favorite interviews have been for Designing Women. Um, Designing Women is actually how I wound up, um, Kiki and I ended up working together on Girls Game Shelf. Um, I I love that. Yeah, isn't that funny? Um, I was 
writing with a different group, very, very casually about gaming. Um, and I was watching the show. Someone had introduced me to the YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. So I reached out just, you know, like threw my shot out there one day and I was like, oh, well this, you know, amazing lady on YouTube, was she even like write me back or whatever? And I was like, hey, I want to interview you. So Kiki was my very first interview of a woman in board gaming. Um, and from there, it just kind of rolled into the idea that there are so many amazing women's voices in this industry. And yeah, and we just want to talk to every one of them. But highlighting designers was a big deal too, because there are so many more women designers than we think. I mean, when we think of like the top 10 or the top 20, it's very rare that someone names a woman designer. But there are, are, I thought when I first started doing this series that maybe I'd get 12, 24 um, pieces out of it. And I've been doing this for a year and a half now. We do one every single week almost. And I'm not even close to, I mean, getting towards the middle of my list. So they're, they're just everywhere. And now we've moved into highlighting developers and publishers as well. I, this is going to be my full-time job for the next 10 years. Oh, I love that. That's wow. just, oh, it's so wholesome. The best. <laughs> okay. I don't, I have like tons of other questions to ask, but I will, I will pass the, pass the ball over to Linda. <laughs> so looking at the website and you know seeing what i've been able to to observe from the different things online the different channels and twitter and everything um i see you've got three it looks like three columns of of content on the site really the reviews the spotlights which is the the board game development we just were talking about and then articles so having those three columns do you find it hard to balance out the attention on each one or do you have enough writers that you can I think initially it was it was a little bit more difficult because when we first really got the blog going it was just me um but I think uh, maybe it was as early as three or four months in I contacted Michelle Ridge who does a bunny nose on Twitter and a lot of um puzzle game stuff and asked her to come on board um and from there it just kind of snowballed I I you know asked Benita to come in for Tessa Scott, who is a designer and offers us a different perspective, and now Kelly Bray's writing with us as well. So between all four women, we've got, you know, um, we've got someone who's really focused on like puzzle games and hardcore strategy. And then we've got Benita, who's like our bling goddess. Um, and then we've got Kaylee, who's like coming from tabletop role playing games. And for Tessa, who's got the design background that she brings to the things she writes. So between all five of us at this point, it's become pretty easy to kind of really, you know, stretch our wings and cover a lot of different types of content. And we, we find that most all of it's really well received. That's wonderful. I'm, I'm pretty happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's so great that you're able to pull in such diversity of perspectives because then you get so many different voices into it, which I know goes right back to the, core value that you were talking about earlier with having all different voices. Oh, absolutely. Getting all perspectives. Yeah. I'd also like to echo the sentiment that, man, is it rough putting up like, what, three different content silos by yourself? I am so <laughs> glad that I am not by myself either. So, shout out to editor-in-chief folks that... <laughs> 
found a way to get other people <laughs> to, to help out. Um, so one of the, when I when when we first started corresponding, you know, we, we you threw out a couple of different topics. So we talked about Girls Game Shelf, and I think everybody here we're gonna have a link in the show notes. But I also encourage everybody to take a look. You're on Facebook. Um, you have a Facebook group. What's the? Is it just called Girls Game Shelf? It's the Girls Game Shelf community. It's the Facebook group. It's attached yes. to the page. How great yeah. is that? So I would encourage everybody to throw a like on that page and go ahead and join that community uh, because it, I, I haven't joined it yet. Truthfully, I didn't know it existed, but I'm going to join it because um, <laughs> I am sure with you spearheading it, it is a wonderful community. I am certain of that after, what, 10 minutes of talking to you? Um <laughs> But you also brought up a couple other topics. One of them was game schooling, which I think is a top. I think we might have to come have you come back on and like really like nail that. But um, that's important to you because it's you know you used it right. Is that absolutely <laughs> more or less? Um, yeah. So I was a home educator for pretty much every single year of my kids' education. Um, now everyone's uh, flown off to college except for the last one, who is attending a game schooling boarding school in Denmark for her last two years of school. But uh, yeah, so we incorporated games into all uh, facets of learning. Um, so we could take the mechanics of one game. Um, Role-playing games, for example, actually are way more mathy than most people think, but all the little multipliers and everything, modifiers and things. So mm-hmm. you're playing, you know, every, everybody's playing a game, but also while you're doing these battle scenes, you have to do all this quick math, you know, or um, <laughs> I know some people are going to laugh, but the World of Warcraft auction house is a fantastic way to teach kids about economics because there's seriously you know, right a yeah. supply and demand and all the mm-hmm. sorts of things that go into it. So we actually had at one point like a three week project where they had to try and wrest control of one resource Um from you know most of the other sellers there and like kind of dominate that to see whether you know to see if they could understand how that that sort of thing worked so it was really that was a really fun project so we've we've tried to approach every bit of learning that we did and and it helped that we were kid guided so the the kids could kind of fall into the things they like like um, my son who writes with me on the blog is really into cooking so we did math through cooking and cooking games and and things of that nature to foster that interest so um it's really interesting and there are more and more resources on game schooling every year it's um the difference between when i started like 14 years ago and now what the community is it's just it's amazing it's it's really really fantastic to see is it do you think it's so interesting i'm oh go ahead linda you're the educator i'm 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 just i'm just the man with a blog you go you get going so just for for perspective, sorry, this just like I didn't understand the depth of what you were going to be going into with game schooling. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually a first grade teacher in a public school, oh, wow. so um, as my day job, and so it's so interesting to hear how you were able to incorporate that with the project approach and and doing the games to foster all these educational elements. So did you do a lot of gamification as well? So not just like published games, but then just taking like gamification of like, a, a, I do a lot of that with like math centers with my little ones, mm-hmm. just trying to, so it's still a, like a practice of a, the skill, but just making it, you know, you have to roll the dice and then write, you know, write down the numbers you rolled. So it just makes it more entertaining. We so did a little really- bit of that. Um, there's always, even when you're doing, um, 
child-led or, you know, um, interest-focused, there's still things, especially as they get older and, you know, they want to go to college, there's things that maybe they won't ever want to touch, but they're going to need to know. So we did do a little bit of gamification, particularly, and each kid had the one thing that we had to work on with that. Mm -hmm. One of them was not super keen on writing, so we worked on that. Um, One of them was not keen on math, so, but, but even then, we still found other ways to kind of, our, our, didn't like writing wound up being the one who did all the story building for our storytelling games and now the track she's on at her game school is the writing track so it it worked wow (laughs) wonderful yeah it's so great when you can just tap into their interest like that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah we were i mean and and we were privileged to be able to do that i need to throw that Mm -hmm. out there because and it doesn't always work for everyone either you know um education is as different as every single child is so it just happened to work for us um but i do wait if you ever think that your kid needs a little help in something or they've got a kind of out there interest find a game i think you'd be like crazy surprised how that just like flips everybody's switch Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you think my, I think my question on that one, did you think that you were able to use games to kind of like overcome objections? Like the, Oh, I don't want to do that at all. But like you were able to just be like, well, we're going to play a game to do it. And so they just were a little bit more enthusiastic or enthusiastic at all. Or because it was interest led, maybe you didn't run into <laughs> those, you know, the, that, that kind of issue. A little bit early on, you know, as you're kind of interesting, you know, introducing new things to children, they may, you know, immediately jump in or there may be a little bit of hesitation there. But if we presented something that was entirely new and we just introduced the game first, right, and then they were like, oh, I want to learn more about that now that we've that we've done this unit of history based on this particular game. And and now I want to know more about uh, Robinson Crusoe and the, the stories and and what that time period was like or or whatever so um especially as they got older it just once again because the resources were were becoming more readily available and the hobby games were just blowing up and there was a game about everything but uh as they got older it got a little bit easier and easier to do they started bringing me stuff and saying okay um, the latest Assassin's Creed uh, video game actually had a mode where you I could know. take out all the fighting and just play the history part. Both of them do now. So that's so the great. really cool thing is that it's both Origin and Odyssey. So you can so go good. play as like the coolest chick in all of Greece and you can go take her through Greece. Like it yeah. is just the best thing. I love Discovery Mode, the Discovery Tour mode. It's just oh, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. So good. Yeah. Yeah. So we're definitely, I mean, I, I would like to officially invite you back so we can do like a whole episode about this. Cause I think we could go on, we could go on this for hours upon hours yet, but I, I, won't, I have I one last question. <laughs> um, be, just for sake of my curiosity, what is the weirdest game that you use to teach a thing? Like, that stands out as a, holy crap, how did I do this? And if you want, we can tease that and you can answer it next time. Because I totally just threw that out at you at 7.30 at night Eastern Standard Time (laughs) on a Tuesday. Let me think on that. That, A a few pop into my head, but I think I'd like to deep dive into that and really kind of go back through the things we've done. Because there were some really oddball ones that spurred 
not what was originally intended, but weird and wonderful things. That, so. <laughs> that sounds awesome. So we'll we'll put as as I like to say, we'll put a pin in that. Um, nice. And what we'll do, um, I think we'll come back and maybe we'll record a bunch and have you on both a video game and a board game episode. We'll kind of just have have the producer split it up because it had never even occurred to me. Because until you said World of Warcraft, I was like, oh yeah, you could actually teach some stuff with that. Um, because they've studied it for real things. So we'll, we'll mm-hmm. we will have you back and we will talk about that. But I also want to talk about your games because not only are you editor in chief of an amazing website and now an a- accomplished live streamer who has Oath in her hands, which by the way I'm a little jealous of. Um, I'm more than a little jealous of that. I'm extremely jealous. Okay, I was trying to not make it sound aggressive, Amanda. Um, I'm sorry, but, I am aggressive. I'm aggressively loving though. So at least there's true. that. There's that. You can get away with it different. Um, so the so. Um, you said you had some games. So you are a designer or a publisher? Uh, uh, I'm. I work with publishers. I'm oh, marketing. Awesome. Um, I work with Pencil First Games primarily. Okay. But um, no, I I started designing a little bit at the end of last year. I have one for sure coming out this summer. I have another probably coming out this year, and then I've got one going into the Cardboard Edison um, contest in three days. So. Wow! Wow! <laughs> Congratulations! So when do you sleep? That before we get into this, like, do you sleep ever? Never. Oh, coffee. <laughs> All right, that's fair. Okay. All, All right. right. Well, welcome to the party. Yeah. Right? Well, it, exactly. You fit in very well here. Um, okay. <laughs> so, so you have one game coming out this summer. Can you talk about it? I absolutely can. Um, so it actually was um, brought about by a crazy question that Kiki Amarito, my partner for Girls Game Shelf, had thrown out on Twitter, which was, what was the craziest theme you could think of that somebody could make a board game out of? Okay. And Kiki herself said, Sink and Rise Swimming. Like, no one's going to ever make a Sink and Rise Swimming game, because why would you do that? So myself and Emily LaRoche uh, from Zeru Games were like, okay, so now we have to make a synchronized swing game. You absolutely have to. That was a challenge. It was. She slapped you with the white glove. You had to do it. (laughs) The glove, the gauntlet was thrown. So, um, yeah, we actually brainstormed it like maybe the day afterwards, came up with a concept and started testing it. And it's been, it's been fantastic. Um, it's super funny. It's a team-based game where each team has a routine full of cards that they have to try and memorize in a very short period of time. And then everybody has to get the routine right with their own cards. Um, and there's some variations where maybe only one person gets a look at the cards and then they have to mime the cards back to the rest of the team so they can get their, their synchronized swimming routine correct. Okay. Um, there's quite a this sounds going. hilarious, but Linda <laughs> and Amanda are both li- literally the first thought their head in their heads was Steve would be terrible at this. <laughs> like they were like, yeah. this is second thought in my head, but yeah, I got that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Linda first was like, wow, this is the Steve would be bad. Um, fun fact about me, Anna Marie is I am hilariously bad at games hilariously bad and this is my the the memory and things like that is actually my strict weakness however i definitely need to play again i have a very mighty need to play a game about synchronized swimming um and the fact that it's coming out this summer i mean you're a marketing professional you know like it's got to come out this summer it's the summer olympics right like it's coming out during the olympics oh it's so perfect oh yeah. man that is so good that is so good we should like oh. we should play it linda and like simul stream it 
<laughs> alongside the NBC Olympics. Um, that, that would be hysterical. That be, would be fantastic. <laughs> I would be so bad at it, but it'd be great. Um, okay. Either so, that or poolside. <laughs> poolside. Yeah, I mean, I love it. That that's I also that. that also works. Um, <laughs> so man, that that so. I can't even. Um, Amanda, what do you think? What are your thoughts on a game, a, a card game about synchronized swimming? I'm, a, 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 I'm taken aback. I think that sounds completely bonkers, and I need to play it. Yeah. <laughs> I love games that completely shatter our expectations of what a game can or can't be, or you know whether or not this concept is interesting. Who ever thought about a game about synchronized swimming? I have never thought about that in my entire life, and I want it. <laughs> well, guess what? It's a thing, and it's happening in less than six months. How exciting is that? So, so what was what did your first prototype look like? I always I love asking designers this question because I always get wacky stuff. Was it just index cards or? <laughs> Um, well, actually, um, since Emily is a graphic designer and oh. does work with the video game industry, our first prototype was quite pretty. <laughs> so. Oh, wow. All right. Well, okay. As you can imagine, as you can imagine, I've been doing this for a while and I always ask Kickstarter creators, et cetera, like, what did your prototype look like? As you can imagine, I have heard some things, um, but you're right. All right. So having, having a professional graphic designer, yeah, I, I would bet that that gives you a shortcut to at least having um, acceptable, quote unquote, art. So that sounds awesome. Um, so so that's the game that's for sure coming out this summer because yes. you can't miss the opportunity to roll out with the Olympics. No. Um, so uh, you have another game that might be coming out after that. Can you talk yeah. about that one? I sure can. Um, it's another unusual theme. Um, I was I'm actually sensing a theme. Thing. Yeah, uh, my theme is really weird themes. Um, awesome. So, <laughs> right? I mean, make them different if you're going to. Um, I'm one of the women in my playtest group, uh, Elizabeth Hargrave, who you probably know from Wingspan. Um, uh, we yeah, were talking yeah, about yes, another wait, game that I was Elizabeth Hargrave on. is in your playtest group? Yeah, she lives in the D.C. area as well. So. <laughs> well, then. Okay. All right. You know. We all know each other. Um, I was working on a different game, and she was like, you know, you really should, like, if you really want to not be bored having to do this over and over again, because after you play test something for a while, you're kind of like, I don't even want to bring it out and look at it. She's like, design around something you love. At that time, I was doing research on composting uh, with the local university. So I thought, I'll make a game about compost because it's a huge part of my life right now. Um, and so, yeah, so I have an 18-card game called Heap. And it's about building the best compost pile. And so you work, um, it's actually a cooperative game for two players. You work oh together God. to build a good compost pile. And sometimes the air knocks it over and that changes the orientation of all the cards in the tableau. And I mean, and so then the cards are all built on different modifiers to change your score. So hopefully you get like a hundred plus in your master gardener. So that's hilarious. That's so it. good. That's so good. Now I want that more because I like I'm originally from the West Coast in Canada. So mm -hmm. I live in Jersey now. So like nobody composts out here. But like that eco friendly that eco friendly approach and, you know, zero waste or as close to zero waste as we can get. That is totally my jam. I want this game more than synchronized swimming. Oh. I've been working with the publishers that I've I've been talking to about making sure that everything too um, is 
basically uh, sustainable and compostable. So there won't be any plastic in the game. It'll be in a cardboard wallet. And when you're done with oh it, goodness, you can I love recycle it. it. Yeah. I love that so much. That's amazing. We're going to have to, you and I, we're going to have to have a conversation about what that design process look like because that sounds phenomenal. Yeah. Well, you're not too far from me, so we can have lunch. So, yeah. Love it. <laughs> Great. That's so cool. Yeah, I am. Uh, <laughs> um, so where can we get these amazing games when they come out? <laughs> yes. Tell us everything. Where am I buying your game? Yes. Well, um, send me the website. Which one? <laughs> yeah, well, Synchronized Swimming will be on Kickstarter this summer okay. during the Summer Olympics. Heap, um, I'm not sure I can say who that might be coming out uh -huh. with. But, um, Stay tuned. I, yeah, I would definitely, you know, I'm going to be so stoked whenever, you know, things are happening that I'm sure I'll blast that. Like, people will get tired of hearing about it because I'm like, oh, have you heard about my game? <laughs> um, well, I can tell you that the three of us will not get tired of hearing about your game and part of that is because um linda has infinite patience amanda <laughs> loves everyone and i am an unmitigated uncontrollable hype monster so that is so true so awesome. um so i i don't i love my favorite thing because i can't make games that's hard that's why i talk about them um so the so I have the easy job. I just get to get excited and like freak out and try and articulate that freak out. Um, I let the the actual talented people um, make the games. But I love talking to people who are making cool things, right? You know, I had the dungeon drop guys on here a while ago. You know, and you know, I've had so many. I mean, Linda, how many Kickstarter people have we had on over the years? Carla, oh, Cop, quite a few. and you know, all them. We got to get her back on again. Um, and yeah, so, and I Carla's always great. isn't she awesome? Yeah. Um, and I love talking to people about their babies. Um, and because it's so cool listening to creative people, kind of figure out and articulate what their baby is all about, right? And so. Um, I absolutely love it. So no, I will never get tired of you shouting about your cool stuff that you do because the I genuinely believe the world is better for all the cool things that board game designers make. Um, so thank you very much for that. So um, you are on Twitter, right? So I am. why don't you let's let's go through the socials for you because I want to make sure that everybody can find you so that when they want to buy these cool games, they can just know when you <laughs> shout about it. Um, so what, what's your uh, Twitter handle? And I'm going to put all this stuff in the show notes. Okay, great. Uh, so my Twitter handle is girls play underscore games. And the one for girls game shelf is girls game shelf. Uh, Facebook, we're girls game shelf. Instagram, we're girls game shelf. And I'm Anna Maria Jackson Phelps. Um, we're on Twitch as uh, shockingly girls game shelf. And the website is girlsgameshelf.com. <laughs> that does make my job a little bit easier. Uh, right? I didn't have to write 15 different things. Also good branding. Right. I love it. Um, That's what we're aiming for. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you know, you're a marketer. You know what you're doing. Um, so with that, um, I know you have other work to do because you're streaming and you got the studio waiting for you. So um, I certainly appreciate you taking the time to join me and Amanda and Linda. And we're going to have to have you back because this is a lot of fun. And clearly we're going to have to talk about your games a little bit more. And then I want to know more about using World of Warcraft to teach economics because that at least maybe maybe I learned something and that justifies like the several thousand hours that I spent playing that game. Linda, do you yeah. think I'll be able to justify it? No, probably not. But it's fine. 
It's a great delusion you've got. It's fine. because You least... learn leadership skills through raid leading, so I, there's another one. Fact, as a matter of fact, I did. I was See? a class leader. Believe it or not, I was a class leader of the healers. Who knew? So, anyway. Um, so, uh, Anna Marit, thank you so much for coming on board for today. Thank you all so much. This has been so much fun. Cannot wait to do it again. I will shoot you an email in an hour. <laughs> when we when we are done with our work and then uh we'll just get you right on the schedule again can't wait that sounds fantastic can't wait good luck with your streams bye <laughs> thanks bye. so much bye. You, bye that has been episode 208 of the engaged family gaming podcast thank you everybody for listening to us and thank you for joining us for that awesome interview with anna maria jackson phelps of girls game shelf amanda um, why don't you tell the audience where they can find you on social medias? They can find me on the Twitter. That's probably the best place to hang out with me. Uh, and I'm at Amanda Farrow on the Twitter. Fair enough. And Linda, you are also on the Twitter, but you're a much more prolific Instagram user than really either of yes. the two of us. Um, probably so, both of us put together. That's what I mean. Yes. Well, awesome. I mean, listen, I turned her into an Instagram fiend. Amanda, um, who knew? So, uh, Linda, why don't you uh, share where people can find you? So, on the Instagram, it is DragonRose720, and you can see all kinds of fun game stuff. And if you're interested, I also do, you know, random like housing, house things, house projects, child, children adventures, things like that. So, it's fun. Yeah. And you can find me. All over the place. Primarily, I run the Engage Family Gaming social media accounts. So you can find me on Facebook at, and that's just the Engage Family Gaming Facebook page. You can also find me on Twitter. Uh, my personal, my personal Twitter handle is at Dutesmania. That's at D U E T Z M A N I A. It's kind of like Hulkamania, only instead of Hulka, it's just Dutes. Um, and I talk about this stuff but I also talk about pro wrestling so if you really don't want to talk about pro wrestling maybe just follow at EF Gaming um, I apologize in advance they got me back because now the football season is over it's wrestling season so um, everybody I hope you have a wonderful day uh, but I do have one favor to ask before we go um, we unified our podcast feed and um, but in doing so we switched services and our audience has dipped a little bit so I would love for you to help us with that so Every one of you knows someone who needs to listen to our podcast. You know. They may not know they need to, but I'd love for you to share us with them. So uh, send the link, engagefamilygaming.com slash podcast, to someone, one other person this week, and uh, let them know that we would love them to join our audience and listen to us talk about video games, board games, tabletop role-playing games, and all sorts of other stuff. And until next time, this is Steven and Amanda and Linda have a great week, and don't forget to get your family game on. Bye. 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 Music for the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast is Android Sock Hop by Kevin McLeod. 
and audio production by Six Pack Nerds Productions.